Hi, and welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors on the new hit show, Breaking Bad. And I'm here today with uh, my producers, Vince Gilligan, Karen Moore, and Melissa Bernstein. And I'm also here with uh, the editor of the last episode, Lynn Willingham. We're going to talk about episode 213. It should identify themselves by voice. Oh, I'm sorry. Melissa Bernstein, producer. Hello, this is Melissa. Vince Gilligan, executive producer. Yeah, that's me. Karen Moore, producer. Hi, Karen. And Lynn Willingham, editor. Hi. Award-winning editor, <laughs> may award- I yes. ask. Yeah. Yes. Emmy, Emmy award-winning, award-winning editor, yes. Lynn Willingham. Emmy, yeah. ace award-winning editor. Lynn won the Emmy for Best uh, Dramatic Episode of 2008 uh, for the pilot of Breaking Bad. And then uh, just a couple months ago, you won uh, the Ace Award, which is a very prestigious award given by your peers. That's right. Yeah, very exciting. Very good. So um, I guess we should uh, jump right in. There's a lot of stuff that we can cover on this episode. And people I know out there are like chomping at the bit to hear all of the things that you have to say about that bear in the pool. So yeah. let's just jump right in with that first. Yeah, well, now you know. <laughs> now that you've seen the last episode, now you know uh, why that bear is there. Let's. Um, I guess we're jumping ahead um, in the episode to kind of to the end, but just for right now, can you just talk a little bit about how the bear came to be and how you decided that this whole thing was going to start at the end and jump back? Well, I, I do remember we like the idea of circular storytelling, and that's how we, we opened the pilot, the pilot of Breaking Bad last season begins with the pretty much the end of the episode begins with Walt uh, stuck out in the desert and uh, in his underpants with his RV you know uh, stuck in a ditch so we, we, we knew already we like that idea of circular storytelling and I think we, we like the idea my writers and myself like the idea of uh, you know uh, doing a whole season that way and uh, as far as the pink teddy bear why it was a pink teddy bear I think we were you know, we're not trying to lie to the audience, I don't think, but we're trying to maybe mislead them a little, you know, uh, or let them come to their own conclusions that we sort of thought would probably wind up being false. The conclusion that, oh, Pink Teddy Bear must have something to do with Baby Holly. It must be some terrible thing that has to do with, with Walt's own family. Has there been some terrible uh, home invasion? Has there been some other awful thing? And, and, the, and the toy itself belongs to, you know, Walt and Skyler's baby, and it's uh, a little bit of a purposeful mislead. Obviously, it, it you know it, uh, the true story that it came from uh, some unknown passenger on this crashed airliner is is uh, you know it's a, a rough moment of realization. It's I mean uh, you well know, some of the stories some of the stories that have been going around about the bear is that it's uh, let's see a, a blown up meth lab a meth lab explosion yeah uh, it's it's uh, it was something that was left by Tuco as a sign. Um, All good ideas. It, it good symbolizes ideas. Yeah. Walt's, uh, the innocence of the baby, but also Walt's two worlds colliding. Those are all very good. <laughs> I, I like all of those, by the way. We should talk about uh, what it was like to shoot. Uh, we got Karen and Melissa here, who are producers, uh, who are spend most of the time in Albuquerque. And uh, you guys should talk about, you know, a little what it's like to produce a show, but maybe specifically what it was like... Uh, how do we get that last shot with the uh, with the ba- the bear falling to earth? Maybe because before that, I just want to mention that you know, like obviously, we shot separate pieces of that whole uh, sequence in, when in the episodes that they appeared in. But the whole thing was mapped out, right? The whole thing was totally mapped out before we even rolled the camera, right? Yeah. Well, okay. you know, first of all, let's talk to you guys about how hard was it to shoot underwater in a swimming pool, Karen? <laughs> you take that. 
it was pretty it was pretty simple actually because was all of pool, it done in Walt's pool I mean in yeah, that no, family's pool yeah it was all done in Walt's pool and because the pool's so small the the biggest trick was how to have enough space between the camera and the bear and what we wanted the bear to do uh and the eyeball and you know gauging those distances can you I mean, tell us a little bit before also about the family that lives in i mean can you tell us about getting that house and and how many days you know you have to d- use that house maybe per episode well you mean fran and lewis's house Walsh fran and lewis's yeah. house <laughs> fran and lewis are very very cool people they're a lot of fun uh they are uh both retired and um they love having us there and they've actually encouraged the whole neighborhood to love having us there, which was very critical for the infamous teddy bear shot at the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. So you were saying that you were in the pool, and how many days did you have to be in the pool? We like- only we could only be in the pool uh, for one day, which was in Brian's episode. Yeah, episode and then, one. And then we came back right. for the last one when we realized that the shot that we really wanted to get, we needed to... Uh, get somebody back in the pool but unfortunately it was in December and it was bitterly cold (laughs) so the special effects supervisor Dennis Peterson spent about four days every day they'd go up with an outside heater and start heating up the pool. Um, We did have a dry run unfortunately where one of our grips was in an improper wetsuit and he went in and started immediately going into hypothermia. What? Oh my god. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Damn. But yeah, no, it so was you're supposed to be in a dry suit or something? He was just in a wetsuit and he started... It, it wasn't the proper uh, thickness gauge. Thickness gauge. Wow. But good. we worked all that out. But, you know, it, it's hard to, when you're standing out there, it's kind of sunny and there is a little breezy, you forget that, like, the water's like 40 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so How tough was it um, with this bear? I think, Vince, you had told me at one point that this bear was like a handmade bear. It's not a bear that you can just go to, down to Walmart and get or... Yeah, that's you know. right. Uh, you guys... Uh, that was really the easiest thing to do just in terms of control over the bear. It, yeah. it, you know, our prop department had it made with our supervision and with Vince weighing in about how creepy the bear's face would be. Mm-hmm. I know that was somewhat the deranged nature of the face. Yeah. That was important to you, it, it seemed, was. at the time. And, and it, it's in 212. 212, it, that's a tough one. 207. That's a very tough one to see in 212. There, It is actually at, uh, in in the swimming pool... Or, or on the swimming pool cover of that abandoned motel, which I thought right. was very cute. Colin Buxy kind of pointed that out, and I thought, I, I, thought, I thought that was that bear. There's one on the deck in 207, too. Nice. Outside the hotel. <laughs> By another motel pool. And there's, yeah, one, yeah, in, motel there's pool. one in the, in oh, the really? Twathammer yeah. video. Yeah, that was in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, John Scheiden was a bit of a, a bear. Yeah, uh, there's, there's one in, his, in the Twathammer video that he directed also, the bear yeah. at the end That's of the right. Twathammer video episode. Right. And where are they now? Uh, the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're in our very gigantic warehouse in Albuquerque. I just guys should talk about um, uh, how did you? Uh, I, I ask this like I don't know, but it, 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 this is this is a you know this broadcasting one on one. Okay. And so I'm going to ask it like I don't know it. How did you guys get that amazing shot where we're falling straight down into the backyard and into the pool? Well. It started with a phone call from you <laughs> when uh, you were starting to think about uh, the final episode, and you called me up and you said, uh, I think I need a plane explosion midair. And I'm going, uh-huh. And then, you know that 
teddy bear is going to fall from about 30,000 feet up, and it needs to fall right into Walt's pool. And I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And I said, I'll get back to you. But we started exploring. uh, We have a really enthusiastic, super enthusiastic special effects supervisor named Dennis Peterson. And we knew that we would have to do part of it practically. For real. For real. We would take it Versus in a computer. Right. Right. We broke down the shot in the following fashion, that there would be a CGI explosion in the air of the fireball, and then this object, we wouldn't know what it was, but it would start to slowly fall to Earth, and the whole concept was to use satellite photos at 30,000 feet, getting closer and closer and closer into the actual neighborhood where Fran and Lewis's house is. And a AKA Walt's house. AKA Walt's house. <laughs> and then we needed to that to be married to shooting practically with a camera somehow from about we were hoping five hundred, maybe three hundred feet above Fran and Lewis's house, above the pool, and have the camera basically fall into the water. Fall into the water. So it's like a total POV shot of the bear POV. Exactly. Right. Meaning, in right. other words, you don't you see what the bear sees, you don't see the bear itself. Exactly. Right. 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 It's out of the bear's eyes, as it were. And I had worked with a company uh, a couple eye. years ago, or, or eye singular, named Zoic. Uh, that's just they they are just fabulous, and they do a really really terrific job. And so they sent out a supervisor, and we all sort of talked this through and talked about how we were going to accomplish certain things. Um, And Vince had it in his head, and there was no dissuading him, that we could attach a camera to weather balloons. And these weather balloons... (laughs) It would have worked, damn it. (laughs) And so in this meeting, all of a sudden, our special effects supervisor, Dennis Peterson, said, oh, I've got a few on my truck. Yeah. So the next thing we know, we're standing out in the parking lot at the studios with three weather balloons. And I think they each had about 30... Yeah, 10 or 20 pounds of lift. Yeah, yeah, 10 or 20 pounds of lift. Maybe 10 pounds, 8 pounds, 10 pounds. And we attached Dennis's video camera to it, and with utter glee, we watched as these things went up, and then, you know, when they got to a certain height, they pulled it back down, and we all ran to this little tiny video camera, and then we saw this amazing thing of this, all of us standing in the parking lot, and we were thinking, you know, that ah, this could work. Yeah, and we had the camera pointed straight down, so it was looking straight down at us. So we decided that we needed to have more balloons and a tether balloon with greater lift for the actual location. And then Dennis was going to get a special uh, fishing line that would be able to handle all this weight. Like the stuff you fish for sharks with, like 150-pound line or something. Yeah. Um, and we then proceeded to rent a very expensive camera, and they built a harness for this camera to sit in, and that was tethered to these big weather balloons. Um, now, in the middle of all of this, there were some grumblings back in the office. They were very skeptical about these weather balloons. And so they finally, it was decided that we would put a real building crane on hold for the day, because there was only one day we could shoot it, uh, on hold in case these weather balloons didn't work. So 
we went ahead and did that just to cover ourselves. And the, the backyard of this particular house is a little tricky in getting a crane back there. Oh, yeah. So that was also a challenge in terms right. of what kind of machinery we could actually, what kind of equipment we could use to right. actually get our shot. So it had to be a tall enough crane that it could go over from the front of the house. Mm -hmm. Well, so it, it had, to, it be had to be able to angle over. Right. So mm -hmm. it was like, it up went up, over. Right. it had to go up, over, and it was, we still needed the height. So we did get one that went actually 300 feet. Yeah. So, um, that's a lot. That's... And it was the only one in Albuquerque, too. How much did it cost? <laughs> Not as much as the camera. <laughs> really? No. Nah, I, don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> I was trying to save y'all money, is what I was trying to do. No, and, no. And, 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 and philosophically, right. and with the show, we try to do everything practically when we can. Yes. Because it just sort of works with the yeah. the nature of our of our series. Yeah. Well, Melissa, you were there when we when we did our uh, test. Uh, what happened? Uh, yeah, I was there for the the second test, the test that actually took place in the backyard when we had five balloons that were filled up. Um, and it was it was an interesting experiment. Um, you know, we ha and and actually the head of our special effects was so specific that he had all of us hide behind trees and bushes so that the test would be as absolutely, you know, as official as possible. So we'd see, you know, if we could get the shot with all of the crew that would need to be back there and where they'd need to be and all of these things. But I, I should say at this point, obviously balloons go up, they don't go down. So the idea was to start the balloon with the camera right over the water and let it go, let it fly up into the sky. And then we would reverse it on the editing system that we use. So we reverse print it so it looked like the camera was descending and not ascending. Yes. So the team set the uh, camera apparatus at, you know, so that the camera's pointing down at the pool, released, everybody was in position, the last person to release it ran away, the camera, the whole lift went up, and then within like four seconds, it just got yanked. It got caught by a breeze and got yanked to the right. Um, two balloons were popped, and then the the other three of them just set it off into the distance at a speed that was unbelievable. I mean, it was it was impossible to actually even chase it by a car. It was going so fast. It was just off in the distance, out of sight within five minutes. And the winds at that time, according to the airport, when I later spoke to them when this incident happened, were about 125 miles an hour. So, uh, and I was back at the stage, and I got a phone call from Dennis. Well, they weren't that high on the ground. I mean, it's not like, I guess we should have got a weather report, but it's not like they're that high on the ground, though, right? No, they weren't. No, uh, things no. weren't blowing around. Like the, you're no, no. about the jet stream or something. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when yeah, it got yeah. up to a certain, the winds were really going. Right. And so I get this phone call from Dennis Peterson that sort of went something like this. Uh, Karen, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, Dennis. Uh... There's a small problem here. Really? <laughs> What's that? He goes, oh, the balloon test? I said, oh, gosh, quick, get back here. We want to see it. Oh, well, no, the balloons took off. <laughs> with the camera that we rented. Right, with the attached. camera attached. Well, what happened to the, to the line that you were... snapped. Snapped. Oh. It wasn't strong So enough. I stood there, and I went outside, and I looked up because our studios are near the airport and and Fran and Lewis's house is just to the north of the airport so the first thing I do is I'm frantically calling the air traffic control tower at the Albuquerque airport <laughs> telling them that we did this test and there are these balloons with a camera flying around loose 
And, <laughs> and you called the Air Force Base also, right? Because yeah, we yeah. were afraid so they'd shoot it down. We, we, Kirkland Air Force Base. We, we, yeah. we, you know, we're like going, oh, no, these balloons, the camera. And, of course, uh, Stuart Lyons, who's our another producer who's also our production manager, uh, immediately called the place that we rented the camera fund to tell them that we had this runaway camera <laughs> that probably we would never see again. <laughs> so, and we called the studio. You know, we went through all of our the things we need to do as producers to sort of report incidences like this. And in the meantime, I then called our rigging gaffer and I told him to get the crane delivered there as soon as possible. And then we, we, and we did get Vince on the phone and Vince gave the best reaction of anybody I've ever worked with, which is, well, now the crane, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> Maybe we should try this again. <laughs> And we're all sitting there going, no, Vince, we're I'm not. I'm telling you, the balloons would have worked. <laughs> I think another appreciated response was, we can sell the footage, the satellite footage of, of whatever the camera gets as it's traveling across New Mexico. So, right. yeah, well, where, where, is that, where is that footage, Lynn? Let me ask you, what, what happened when you saw that footage? I didn't get any footage. Oh, no, I, I didn't get any footage like that. No, no, no because, indeed you did not. Because, oh, because the day, a few days later, when we went back to Walt's house to shoot this shot with the crane, we got a phone call uh, from the rental house in Los Angeles. They had received an email from a woman 200 <laughs> miles southeast of Albuquerque who said that a balloon had landed in her backyard <laughs> With wow. this video camera was it attached Roswell, to it, New Mexico. It was it was really far UFO away. UFO. So signing. it made exactly. it it made it like two hundred yard two hundred two hundred miles. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow! She was so, fairly nonplussed. Though. No, she was completely like, well, <laughs> you know, must have this been Roswell. Camera. <laughs> so we we dispatched Cisco to drive there, but I think the last eighty miles were over a one lane dirt road, so it took That's him right. forever. One of our assistants. Uh, one of Cisco, our assistants, yeah. Cisco Fernandez, and so he's. We encouraged him to spend the night because it had taken him so long to get there. So he showed up the next morning at Walt's house. The entire camera department was like drooling. They wanted to rip these P two cards out of this camera and they threw them in the machine and it was black and it was black and it was black and it was black and I'm standing there going where are the pictures? And the camera was destroyed right? Yeah no well, no, the camera was still it look how like it had been sandblasted but oh, okay. it wasn't broken or anything <laughs> yeah. but what? and and I, I said to Tristan well where are the pictures? He's going I don't know and he's like fast forwarding and he's like freaking out and all of a sudden the other another guy in the camera department standing there holding the camera and he goes oh well here's the problem and we all look at him and we go what's that the lens was still on the camera the lens cap was still on the camera <laughs> so when they let the camera go they had neglected to remove the lens cap so the whole thing was like uh, anyway but it was it was one of the best days ever because it was very exciting that makes a great story oh it's great it's a great story but <laughs> i should say great. at this point that we have some of the best special effects uh going on any tv show right now i think i'm not talking visual and, effects you see with computers and stuff i mean just the practical the practical stuff the 
the fun stuff, the blowing stuff up, the uh, the head on the turtle you saw in episode seven. Yeah, they did. They're a great incredibly job. They're busy. Just, yeah. Anytime we yeah. anything anything and explodes. Actually, yeah, that's Dennis Peterson and his crew, and they do a great job. So we're not we're not ATM machines. ATM machine crushing somebody's head. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. All that stuff is Dennis and his guys. They do a wonderful job. This but, one this one is just too good not to tell. We we actually, but in that shot. The final element in that shot is the water cannon that Dennis set off in the bottom of the pool. Yeah, that was that cool. That creates the explosion of the teddy bear, uh, you know, crashing into the pool. Yeah, that was a good The one. big splash. So, you know, no, they do. They're great. They're great. We have a lot of fun. Well, let's, let's talk editing because <laughs> yeah, we got let's, Lynn here. Let's, let's jump back. Um, it's hard to get over that story. I'm so glad you told it because I, I don't think either Lynn or I had heard the whole story. Well, that's why there are no pictures. The whole story. <laughs> Actually, they, yes, Dennis collected the – I was filming this entire thing, but Dennis collected the evidence. So I don't think anyone's going to see it anytime soon. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk to Lynn Willingham. Lynn, you cut the pilot. We worked together on the pilot. I'm, I worked for you on the pilot. Now I'm working with you. On the series. Yeah, um, Kelly and I worked together on the pilot, and um, she's so fabulously talented, other than stop, this stop podcast it. stuff, that um, she impressed them wildly, um, especially with her meth montage, for which she is famous. Stop. And uh, Vince decided she was definitely good enough to keep around and move up. So um, that was very happy. It's not always nice when your assistant is recognized and moved up. Have you had assistants move up before? I th- I would say most of my assistants are at Well, no, and I don't. Obviously, that makes sense. But I mean, have they moved up and then worked with you on a show, or did they move up after you worked with them? I think most of them show? have moved up after they've you know they've gone on to other shows. Right. And, and uh, you guys work together on the X Files, Lynn and Vince. Yes. That's yeah. right, Lynn and I. Well, yeah, you tell them that. Talk, talk into them. Uh, Vince and I worked together for five years on the X Files. Wow. And um, you know, uh, this is a much more intense, hands-on thing for uh, for Vince. I think right now in an editing room, uh, he would do his own episodes on the X Files. But you know, there were other uh, producers and other writers on the X Files, and so it wasn't a, a day-to-day kind of thing where he was always in the editing rooms. But now, you know, now you're in the editing room all constantly. The time. But I like I like this. I on the X Files, that's true. I didn't get to be in the editing room as much as I would have liked, and. Uh, that was because I was off writing yet another episode or whatever. And John Scheiben, actually, uh, who's working with us now, and, and you guys have heard from him, uh, we all work together. And then uh, so uh, he would, he'd sort of be in the editing room a lot with you guys because we kind of divvied up. that We had a division of labor going there. So I didn't get to work with you in the X-Files as much as I would have liked, but uh, I've spent a, enough time with both of you guys right now that you're just sick of me. Because no. uh, the last six, Never. six weeks straight we've been doing this, right? Ten weeks. Ten, ten weeks straight we've been ten just in the editing straight. room. Production wrapped back in December, and we've just been in the editing room 10 or 12 hours a day. So Never. Never, ever. Never, ever tired or never, <laughs> never, never, ever, never, ever sick of you, yeah. ever. Was this one, which you, you had a bunch of episodes this season, Lynn. What was your favorite one to edit? Oh, yours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> He wrote this he one, wrote though. This one. Oh. Lynn did five this season. I did five this season, and each one of them was different. So it's it's very hard to have a favorite. Yeah. You know, I got to work with uh, Brian Cranston, directed the first one, and he did a, a fabulous job. The hardest thing on a show like this is that a lot of our directors are not from Los Angeles, or like Brian, they were working, and so you didn't get to sit with the director um, after I got the show in the first cut. Then you run 
the show again in a director's cut so the director can make his changes and I I really didn't get as much opportunity to work with directors as you might if the show was shooting in Los Angeles so although I think all of them were amazingly well done and well written I don't have a I mean I, I don't know if I have a, fi- a favorite as far as yeah, you don't have editing. to. I don't have a favorite. Episode. I mean, it's really it's really difficult. They're yeah. all so good. I, I each one is good for a different reason. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, the 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 one thing about two thirteen though is that it brings together the entire arc for this season, yeah. and the performances are just they're so right on in this episode. I mean, they're great in all of them because our our cast is amazing, but um, to watch the characters grow and Particularly, I would say Aaron, uh, Aaron Paul plays Jesse. His growth over this whole thirteen episodes has been amazing. That's true. And um, he's fantastic in this episode. Yeah. And 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 part and parcel of that. So is Anna. I mean, they're all oh, they're, they're all, all great. really great. Um, but Jesse will just break his story. Just breaks your heart. And no, it's true. It's well. Also, I mean, we should speak uh, about the guy who directed this episode, Adam Bernstein. Who obviously we've got great actors, but uh, Adam's a Breaking Bad favorite. This is his fourth episode. Yes, yeah. Adam has directed more episodes of Breaking Bad than uh, anybody else at this point. He's done as 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 Melissa just said. He's done four of them. Tell him about he, working he did with one hundred one, one hundred two. Yeah, first season. First two last season, the one where uh, Walt had uh, Crazy Eight locked in Jesse's basement, that two parter, and then he did episode eleven, which we've talked about, and then he. Uh, yeah, what's Adam like? Uh, you, you guys share a last name. Are you related? Uh, yes, the Bernsteins. Yes. In, in, at my in my director's chair, he every time he comes, he steals it, puts a piece of tape over my name, over my name, and writes Adam on it. <laughs> so I personally really enjoy that. Uh, he is. I mean, he's just an absolute pro. Uh, he moves between drama and comedy. He's got a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. The actors love him, which is always a helpful relationship to have. And he just understands, I think, Vince's very twisted uh, sense of humor and <laughs> and what comes from our writer's room, the storytelling. But you guys are brother and sister, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I have to help out my family. There I have to. I, the family's got to work. That's... Yes, we are un- sadly unrelated. <laughs> uh, but Adam is married to Jessica Hecht, uh, who plays Gretchen on our show, uh, who's an incredible incredibly talented actress uh, who we're very lucky to have who you might remember from Sideways that's right she played Paul Giamatti's wife inside ex-wife ex-wife in Sideways and she did a great great job in episode six this season uh, what the heck was the name of that one that was was called uh, Spooge no episode six peekaboo peekaboo 206 206 yes right so Kelly you've the cut three spooges that's all I remember Kelly's cut her every single time then right I mean Gretchen uh, Gretchen was introduced in episode four last year episode two episode 102 no no Gretchen yeah. was uh, 104 the party the party at their house oh uh, no she was in 102 she was in the teaser the flashbacks she was she was that's in the flashbacks oh, that's, that's right, right. That's you guys right. are trying to tell me what I'm doing <laughs> now uh, tell you my business <laughs> <laughs> no she she definitely did uh, I guess uh, debuted in the flashback hey, se- sequence right. in, in 102 and then yes yeah, she was in the party sequence um I think didn't she appear? Any, she didn't appear I, anymore. I never no one hundred four, one hundred two, one hundred four, and yeah. then this year I never cut her. And then yeah, she came back in uh, in two hundred six. She did a great job. Yeah. You know it is it is funny that there are characters that we've got and we've got three editors. Skip McDonald being our third editor. There are characters I've never cut. 
on this series. I mean, I've done, what now, five, nine shows. And I've never cut Saul Goodman, (laughs) the attorney. I I never cut Gretchen. I have. Who else did I not cut? I didn't cut any of the Spooges, of course, but I'm short-lived. And have I heard that you guys are keeping a list of the body count? Okay, I think Kelly's got more. Kelly's got more. Yeah, we, we, we have discussed, like, how many people that we've killed, and I think I've killed the most people. Yeah, but you know we're kind of on the Badge fence of about honor, Kelly. we're kind of on the fence about about uh, uh, Kristen Ritter. We're kind of on the fence about Jane because you know even when uh, Vince and I were working on the episode, um, he was saying, "Oh, we, we're killing her." I'm like, "Well, no, we're not really killing her. She's just dying. We're just not saving her, but we're not killing Semantics. her." Semantics. Because we we would fight about you know, well, Walt is killing her, and I'm like, "Well, no, he's not really killing her." So well, that's a good point, and and, and smart <clears throat> people can argue over. Just how culpable he is in her death. I mean, he didn't shoot her up with heroin. No, he didn't. Yeah, so. And, you know, she, she was getting. save her ass she's, either, did he? Yeah, I know. She, hey, right. she's getting in the way of his livelihood. This is, yeah, you know. Yeah, but that's not enough reason to kill somebody. He didn't kill her. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not anyway. enough reason to, you know, if, if you don't throw someone a life preserver. That's what is that's a, that's a that's a legal term. That's uh, negligent, negligent uh, gross indifference. So. Is it gross indifference? Is it what they got in trouble for on Seinfeld? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 the uh, was it the uh, the, the Good Samaritan Law? Yes, yeah. we should we should actually you know it's it's a kind of a good segue to uh, talk about um, the first scene in this episode. We should kind of work our way back to this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we should talk about the first scene of that episode because um, when we lost last saw these people. Um, Kristen, I mean, uh, excuse me, Jane died in the bed and Walt basically, we last saw Walt and he's just basically standing there. So obviously he has gone home. It is morning and Jesse has woken up. And uh, I think the first shot we see is like bed springs, bed springs or something. Um, And we hear, I mean, when I first watched it, I hadn't seen it. And I first started watching it. I'm like, this is almost reminiscent of the uh, beginning of episode 202 when the car is bouncing. Right. But Vince, you were telling me a little bit about some kind of rig that they had to rig for Jesse to do CPR on. Yeah, Karen on and Melissa, can, they were there when they. Dennis, shot we we did a casting uh, of uh, Kristen's chest, where it was basically made out of fiberglass and I guess aluminum, I think, on the sides to protect her while Jesse was pressing on her sternum so that she wouldn't become, you know, she wouldn't get hurt while we did it. It was Vince's wish that Jesse really go to town. Right. Really, you know, go all out in terms of the thrusting and the Yeah, just because, not to make it, you know, awful to watch, although, I mean, it is awful to watch. It's, you know, all joking aside, it's meant to be an unpleasant scene. It's a, but I mean, you see in TV shows and movies all the time, people doing fake CPR, and that always bugs me. Because if you're really doing CPR, probably in real life, probably a lot of people do CPR wrong because they've seen it in TV and movies where people are barely just, eh, eh, you know, barely pressing down. And you got to really compress somebody's chest to get them breathing again. But anyway, wanted it to look as real as possible and, and be as horrifying as possible. Talk about Kristen, Kristen who did a great job playing Jane. And she also, looks really dead. She looks really I mean, dead. I thought that it was almost fake. I was like, wow, is that really her? She, boy, she looks dead. That wasn't easy to do, was it? No, that was a very intense experience for her, um, you know, having somebody hovering over her, pressing on her chest with that kind of strength and intensity, pretending to be dead, sort of going through all of these emotions. It was it was very powerful, and, and she, she, I mean, she, tears, you know, came, they, she was overcome by tears. I mean, it was a, a very intense thing to watch, and I mean, it just, it's one of those moments where you're sitting on the set and you're like, wow, 
I mean, our our actors are are truly the best. How many takes was that, Lynn? Um, Do you remember? I don't remember how many takes it was. I mean, she she was dead a lot in the first uh, the first act, so she had she had a, an awful lot to um, an awful lot of time to stay incredibly still with her eyes open, which is really hard. When we were working on the X Files, just just a sidestep, we used to. There used to be casting just for dead bodies. I mean, it is very difficult to play dead. It, you, you wouldn't think it would be, but in a perfect world, you're not blinking, you're not breathing. Yeah, breathing's a big one. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you're not twitching at all. And I mean, this this girl did this more more than once. And and there were outtakes where she had to finally say, um, "Just a second, because she she was. She was crying. I mean, this was really difficult. I I think the most brutal thing that I can imagine that she had to go through was having the, the bag zipped up over her face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really... oh my God, the body bag over her face. Well, it's not a pleasant scene to watch, and I'm sure it wasn't pleasant to, to shoot. I, I unfortunately wasn't there. Hey, speaking of uh, actors, Kristen Ritter, wonderful job. Even better when she's alive, although, as we just said, she plays dead really great. <laughs> Uh, we should talk about two other actors, Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike, the detective, and certainly we need to talk about uh, John Delancey. John is, that, is that the cleaner guy? Yeah, that's the, the private detective. We never get his name, but we call him Mike. And Jonathan Banks, uh, I'm so glad to have, you know, I never even got to meet him. I wasn't on the set. We hired him uh, off of a, uh, over the phone, essentially, but he is a wonderful actor. I've always loved uh one of my favorite shows when I was back in college, we'd, we'd look forward to every week. Uh, my roommates and, and myself would, me again, grammatically. I'm going to get yelled at by my girlfriend who used to be an English teacher. <laughs> we won't tell. Uh, but uh, um, we used to watch Wise Guy every week, and Jonathan Banks played the boss on that show. And he's a, He is so good in this. In the very short couple of scenes he's in, he's very memorable, and I'm hoping, knock on wood, uh, that we'll be seeing him in season three. Hoping there's going to be a season three. I, it's looking good. So uh, please, and please, 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 please. <laughs> and uh, he was great. And uh, and and John Delancey, of course, uh, fans of Star Trek: The Next Generation. You know, as we've we've uh, discussed, uh, remember him as uh, Q. He was great on that show. And man, he is such a good actor. He is so. Yeah. You just feel so bad for Donald. Just feels so terrible for him, and 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 yet not because he's crying and rending his garments and gnashing his teeth and acting all upset. He's he he underplays it so beautifully, which is what I, I love about the way he plays this character. Hey Vince, let me ask you this: you know, when you have a character like this, I mean, obviously you guys started in the writers' room and you knew you know very early the arc that you were going to have happen. Did you tell Brian and Aaron about? you know, what was going to happen, or did you just kind of let it unfold and, and they were surprised just as they read the, read the scripts? And what did we tell them? I'm not not much. Blank. I mean, uh, we, we really didn't tell them that much. I mean, we sort of would give them sort of an overview of what we thought, you know, the changes that would be in their lives this season. But um, I remember we were almost like two ep- an episode before we introduced Jane, and Aaron got all excited. He goes, "Yes, I'm getting a woman now." <laughs> he was like, he was so excited about it. So, and and he knew kind of that he was going to 
you know, descend into heroin hell. And he was really excited that that's the place his character is going to go to. And, you know, and Brian is just brilliant. So I've decided Brian can do just about anything and make it palatable for all of us to accept. Well, let me ask you this, too, because it's not that this, you know, there was necessarily a tragedy for Skylar, but she has a huge, huge blow-up scene, you know, at the end of this episode. And I'm sure as an actress, she, like, was just totally excited um, but did you tell her early that you know she was going to have this I mean uh, we did have a conversation I know I had it with her and I think Vince also did um, you know about the fact that he, he, by the end of this season Skylar will know that something's wrong and that Walt's been lying to her uh, because I think at a certain point you know an actor feels about a character are they going to do this all the time is she just going to turn a blind eye yeah i but, think i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead well i just i think we've talked about this a little before but uh you know skylar is a tough character to write for because anna gunn is such a smart lady in real life and she's such a good actress it's hard for me and the right and the writers it's hard for we us writers to be in a room and, and say well you know uh she just doesn't know what's going on she's in the dark because she exudes this kind of intelligence you know through her character that uh, makes it hard for uh, the writers and myself to believe that uh, she could be in complete ignorance about Walt being up to no good. So, you know, I don't think this is the episode, in other words, where she realizes Walt is uh, is been lying. I think it's been building for a long time. It's been building for 13 episodes now, and this is the episode where she finally has proof. And I think as she puts it in that wonderful scene, she just plays the hell out of that scene. I like it, again, I just was speaking about John Delancey a minute ago, I like that that wonderful concluding scene between Walt and Skyler in this episode we're speaking of is so underplayed. I mean, it's just, there's no, she didn't even have any tears left, as, as it were. She's just been through the ringer emotionally with this husband of hers, who now she, she's, she's literally scared of, as she says, I'm afraid to know what you've been up to. And it's just, it's so wonderfully underplayed, and yet it's so powerful. But it's, as she sort of refers to it in this wonderful scene, the way they acted it, she, it's, you know, you ha- you know I had to believe that fugue state story of yours. I mean, I have to believe that. How could I not? Who would lie about such a thing? So this is not, and I guess what I'm saying, this is not the episode where she realizes he's lying. It's sort of, in my mind at least, the episode where she finally gets uh, incontrovertible proof. But it's, uh, you know, like I say, it was tough writing for her all season long because you can't fake it and make her just be dumb, and yet you can't let her into the light. You can't. Uh, you got to keep her in the darkness. So you right. have to make that believable for the audience, and to make it believable for the audience, it has to be believable for the actress. You know, uh, how do I not know? You know, Anna would say to me that something's going on with my husband. So we uh, we went through a lot of you know uh, pain and suffering in the writers' room trying to trying to make these lies as good as they could be. I mean, Walt, if anything, if nothing else, at the end of the season, Walt is a world-class liar. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the worst thing he does. I mean, he's killed people. You know, he's done stuff like that. But the lies he's told to these people who are very close to him and who love him and who believe in him and trust him, maybe, you know, it can be argued, but maybe that's the worst thing he's done is all these lies he's told. I think so. Yeah. I also think... Um, that in in going back to Anna's character, the whole uh, visit from Gretchen was 
just done, written beautifully, handled beautifully, because it was a loose string. Yeah, Walt, I said a minute ago, he's a world-class liar, and yet he's also a reckless liar. He's told a lot of lies that, uh, you know... But do you think Are, that's because he's not an experienced liar? He's getting better, but he's not. This is this hasn't been a way of life for him. So it's all. Don't you think it's all still kind of new to him? This whole lying thing. That's a good point. You know what? I think that's Lynn. That's a big part of it. He's not that good at it. Although he gets better at it throughout the season, but also he's. You know, the effortlessness want, is what's so scary, I think. That's what's so scary, the effortless, effortlessness he he you know that he uh, exhibits when he's lying. But just the reckless life. I mean, you got to be kind of reckless to begin with if you're going to decide that cooking crystal meth is a viable option yeah. for you. You got to be you got to be kind of crazy to begin with. And and a lot of these lies he tells really are crazy. And uh, yeah, he sort of got the devil's luck for a good chunk of the season. You know, in that he gets away with uh, an awful lot that uh, he probably shouldn't get away with. But as I was always saying about this season, it's it's ultimately but about chickens coming home to roost and and they certainly in this last episode they've come home to roost that's for sure Jeez, now i can't now yeah. i can't wait till next year well, uh, you know hey. what i i've got a, a question <laughs> i've got a question hank you know people say to me what does hank know what does hank not know hank is another one of those characters that is so, so much smarter than you think he is that you have you find i would think that you guys in the writers room are are, are like walking this line where yeah. He, he appears to be a buffoon. He's got a wife who's a kleptomaniac. He's got a brother-in-law who's, you know, making math. Yeah. What does Hank know and what doesn't he know? Well, I don't think Hank knows. Uh, and, you know, and it's up to the viewer to interpret it. I mean, in my mind, Hank does not suspect Walt of any illegal drug. It almost seems to me that it'd be beyond, Hank would be like, no yeah. way. Yeah. I don't think it Like makes, last year when yeah. he was saying that Walt was smoking pot, and he's like, no way. Yeah, and I don't think it makes Hank dumb. It's just that Walt, you know, Walt has is preserved and 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 protected by his own personality and his own, uh, you know, what people the way people see Walt is this him, right. white bread, straight arrow dude. Yeah. I mean, no one, milk toast. Yeah, you don't have to be uh, dense to 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 not see this guy as a as a potential drug dealer i mean it's he's got the perfect cover it's as if he spent 50 years concocting the perfect cover you know <laughs> and uh so i think uh, you know i i don't know i can't speak to the future i don't know what hank will ever know but uh i know that if hank that would be a big episode wouldn't it if hank suddenly found, found out. out yeah <laughs> well stay tuned well you know they're 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 totally you know uh he's good at what he does they're totally yeah. speculating all over the internet about you know what's going to happen you know they all think that you know maybe he'll go into business with him or you know he'll he'll cover for him like he covers for marie i mean it's very funny about and you know kind of interesting to look at all of the 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 threads about what hank you know has is knows or what he doesn't know or what he will do when when he finds out apparently to other people i'm just flattered people are speculating because it means they're interested i'm just i love that oh yeah and, uh, hey you know what uh we should talk about that wonderful mural on the wall in jane's apartment you guys you producers want to talk about that one um that was done by one of uh our gentlemen who worked between the SecDec department and construction. And it's James Merle. 
Jane's in, mural. In Jane's apartment. In, yeah. Jane, in Jane's apartment. And that we only see in the last episode. That's right. the first time we've yeah. ever seen inside of and Jane's. And that's right? the last time you'll see it. Well, and partly because it's Jesse's apartment. Just read rest, right? Yes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we, yeah, we took Jesse's bedroom and opened a door and pushed the hallway over. We, yeah, we, we're a we basic make, cable show, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make the most of our sets. We build everything out of anything on Breaking Bad. Yeah. But uh, no, he's a very talented young man, and he actually we he started off doing um, uh, Jesse's sketches from his childhood, uh, and then. We asked him to do Jane's tattoo sketches that he had, and then this mural, the idea of the mural came up, and he just did an amazing job. I mean... And he put the bear in it. Yeah. Richard did a wonderful job. He's a very talented artist. And uh, and um, give yourself a big pat on the back if you recognize the lady in the photo uh, featured on uh, on uh, uh, Jane's wall of her apartment. Uh, famous poet, one of my favorites. Uh, I'll leave you with that. Figure it out for yourselves. I'm sure some of you already know. Can you tell me about um, and, a and little? And the thought is maybe she—I mean, she could be mistaken for Jane's mom. Yeah, it just—you know—it's just a fun little thing to have in there. It doesn't mean anything. It—it it, it just—I like stuff like that. It doesn't dampen your appreciation of the scene if you don't think twice about who that is on the wall. Uh, if you just assumed it was a family member or something, but. Um, can you guys tell me a little bit about uh, shooting with the baby? He's possessed. Oh. <laughs> His head spins. Well, he's a he, I guess. That's well, one and there's they're all, three they're, babies. They're all yeah. boys. I, I thought it was more than three. I thought it was no, like six or seven yeah, of them. There's six, there's six babies. There's, there are three sets of twins. Oh, 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 once we went up in age. Right. Yes, excuse me. Yeah. So uh, so they're all boys. Why, why is that? Boys are better actors than, <laughs> actors than girls. <laughs> no, I don't know. Why was it? I don't know. What, what, Karen? Is that all you guys could find? Uh, Gwen she... Savage, who does our extras casting, who's incredible. Uh, you know, she w- this fell under her purview. And uh, and actually, one of them is her brother's baby. Oh, okay. Um, who he li- They literally just had this baby days before we needed it. So it was perfect. And then uh, there was a fake baby, too, like a million-dollar fake baby, right? That the Bermans made for us. That's yeah. really eerie. It wasn't it's like a million. How much million was dollars. It? We we love it worth a million dollars, but we <laughs> yeah. probably couldn't afford a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. How much was that baby? Uh, our price was seventy five hundred. Okay. So it that's not that's not the, the regular way. price. <laughs> and that baby's of, in a warehouse it was, too. It was made out of no, actually cheese. that that baby Tortugas head are packed uh, very. They're specifically packed for you know safety. And they're actually in my storage unit in Albuquerque, which is climate controlled. <laughs> because the warehouse where everything else is stored is not insulated and not... Yeah. All this stuff's made out of sil- silicone, so right. I, don't, I don't think the heat's going to hurt any. No, it, it degrades it immediately. It does? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it's uh, wonderful work by uh, the husband and wife team of the Bermans who do wonderful, wonderful makeup, uh, special effects sculpting and prosthetic makeup and stuff like that and babies uh, uh well now what's the deal with babies now how come you couldn't use a real baby the whole time you had to use a fake one we had because the of the child labor laws we're only allowed to silly, use silly silly child labor laws <laughs> we're, we're only allowed to use uh why can't we be shooting in china children oh my gosh <laughs> children that India. age for 20 20 minutes a, uh, for the entire day so when you is when that on screen twenty minutes or that's a cumulative twenty that's minutes? That's a cumulative twenty really? minutes. Really? Yeah. Wow. So 
So they're rushing through those takes. Well, that's why we we had so many babies because, wow. and that's why I really decided to have a silicone baby made, because at some point you're going to run out of babies during your shooting day, and <laughs> you need you need something. Although I have to say that every place in episode thirteen you see that baby. It is a living baby. Right. Yeah, in 212, I only had one scene where I had to... There was only one scene, one take, uh, that didn't have the real baby. So they, I guess they planned very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. I know what it is. It's that one shot where uh, he looks like Carrot Top. He's got got the fake red hair sticking up. He looks like one of those troll dolls. It's a really good baby. I think someone needed to comb the hair a little more. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, guys, I think that we should uh, we should wrap this up. I, I guess I just want to say thank you. Thank you for a great season. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> what, what is it? Thanks, Vince. All oh, right. Yes. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, thanks, Vince. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> very, that, very that was. Uh... <laughs> uh, thank in all seriousness. Thank all you people listening to this uh, for for your time and your interest. We we wouldn't be able to put on a show without without you. And thank you so much. All right, so until we meet again next season, let's go break bad.